Hello and welcome to Liberated Tester podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I am Gunesh Patel. On this show, we uncover secrets to the right mindset and skills to help you succeed in your software testing profession. Hello, hello, hello. Today we have Ian Flanagan who has over 26 years of experience in software industry and has spent over 15 years in development and QA. He has helped prospects and customers build solutions to work with Source Labs, Perfecto Mobile and now Testium. He also has an extensive background in Selenium, Appium, native frameworks and DevOps. Ian is currently the director of solution engineering at Tricentis focusing on Testium and AI powered UI test automation platform for web applications and now they are soon launching for mobile without further delay let's roll it in Hi Ian hi thank you for accepting the invite and thank you for your time thank you for being here it's a pleasure to have you so i i understand that you have been in industry for quite some time and uh, you have been working with um, these um, saas products for quite some time in mm-hmm. your experience so um why don't you maybe share more about yourself for our listeners sure well pleasure to be here with you um so my background was in computer science and mathematics and got into this industry in the mid 1990s and moved to Austin in 2000 and worked for a series of different startups and was in mm-hmm. R&D for about 15 years and did really everything and got into pre-sales in 2015 and really started working really with other companies in the testing space started with with Perfecto and then went to Sauce Labs and company called Rollbar and Testum and of course Testum was acquired by uh Crescentus about a year ago. So been in the pre-sales space for a while and I, I lead pre-sales for Testum and now Crescentus. So happy to be here. Cool. That's good to know. So uh, uh you have been you have been in this uh part of industry for quite some time. Um so how how have you seen the evolution of the low code no code side of the tools uh, how do you think it is headed in the right direction for now or is it still something that's missing that testim is uh, trying to add with this product yeah it's an interesting question so one of the reasons why how i got into this was i started working with selenium in 2009 but a year mm-hmm. after it came out and um really like most people struggled with it struggled with maintaining tests struggled with creating more tests creating higher levels of automation also worked with Appium and you know a lot of the other players in this space have really made a career out of creating a company around infrastructure as a service. Yeah. Um so you know they have a Selenium grid on demand in the cloud, they have devices on the, in on demand in the cloud and you can run tests in parallel across these devices and they have APIs and you can get the feedback and the results. Mm-hmm. Um the challenging part with that from my experience having worked at some of these other companies is that a lot of customers would come to us and say you know what i really need help creating tests and for some of those other companies the response to that is well we've got professional services you know we can have someone come in and create a bunch of tests but that's going to cost money and mm-hmm. or there was someone that say hey i've created a lot of tests but i'm spending a lot of time 
fixing broken tests in Selenium. You know, we tried CSS selector, now we're using XPath, we used ID, we used JavaScript selector, but things change and we just spent a ton of time fixing tests. Yeah. So really that's kind of the evolution of these low code tools. Testing was really one of the first in the space to use artificial intelligence to help with the authoring and maintenance of UI and end-to-end -end tests. Mm -hmm. And it was really born out of that challenge around like what I was just saying, you know, I can't create, how do I create tests that are fast, that are stable? How do I reduce the need to maintain broken tests? How can I get people that are in a mixed team? Maybe I have a developer or an automation engineer, a business analyst, a manual tester. How can all of these people use and leverage a tool like that? And I think that's really kind of the impetus behind product like Testum, for example. So to answer your question, that was a long-winded way mm -hmm. of saying, I think, um, I think there's a significant need for these types of tools. And I think we'll see a dramatic increase in these types of tools going forward for sure. Cool, cool. Uh, it sounds it sounds um, really advanced way of doing things, but uh, for someone like me, I mean, I'm I'm quite new to this particular aspect of tooling. I ha I have tried a bunch of tools, but the codeless authoring that you said, right? Can you uh, explain a bit more on that? What exactly it does? How it is? Yeah, good question. So it, it's really a bit of a misnomer because with Testum, if you want to code, you can. So mm -hmm. we have couple of built-in functions. One's a custom action runs in the browser. You could go in and write custom JavaScript. If you wanted to write code to connect to a database and extract test data to use throughout the context of the test or yeah. make an API call and get the data back to use throughout the context of the test, mm -hmm. you can do that and test them as well. That's what we call a CLI action, which runs in Node.js outside of the browser. Okay. Um, but but in terms of creating tests um, with the record feature, because we have access to um, we have a, you install a Chrome extension gives us access to the DOM at least mm -hmm. on the website, and it allows you to record everything you're doing within the context of the web app. And then based on that, we build a confidence score using artificial intelligence and generate a probability of how likely we are to find a particular object. Okay. But if you're not well-versed in, in coding or, or doing things like that, mm -hmm. you can use the product and create a wide array of different types of tests without having to code. On, on the flip side, as I said earlier at the beginning, if you have background in coding and you want to do more complex things, you can yeah. also use Testum to do it. So it's advertised as a low-code solution, but we have a lot of people, we do sell to a lot of developers that are more technical and want to go in and do coding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like an added advantage for someone who really doesn't want to lose that touch with the coding and they still want to use some of the features uh, that are there in the system, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, if we if we talk about the tool and the features that you mentioned, right? So some of the some of the features that I've observed while I was uh, doing some background research and some of the materials, I think some of the other features are also the device management and the cross-platform um, device testing, like let's say if I have a Windows machine, I could still test an iOS device, right? So um, right. how is how is that achieved in the product? I mean, what, what makes this work? Yeah, good question. We just released a mobile testing aspect to the platform. Prior mm -hmm. to that, we did support the ability to create web tests that could run on both emulators and simulators. 
yeah. in testing. Okay. If you're using, if you're t- recreating a web test mm-hmm. today, we also have a mobile aspect of the platform that was released in January 23rd of this year. And okay. mm-hmm. that allows you to test mobile applications. So in order to do that, you can either physically tether a local device to your workstation Okay. Or if you're using tools like Xcode or Android Studio, mm-hmm. you can spin up emulators and simulators and connect those virtual devices and author and playback tests locally as well. Within okay. Mm-hmm. And this, these are uh, only limited to mobile browsers or can I also test apps with it? So we've supported web testings from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Testum, we do have cross-browser testing like Sauce or browser stack or Perfecto. We also have a Selenium grid on demand. In addition, where those guys don't, we also help with the authoring, the maintenance of tests. Okay. So today, before we release the mobile solution, you could take uh, and do web testing on emulators and simulators and on desktop browser. Um, we also release the mobile solution. We do support native applications. The okay. ability to test web applications on a real physical device will be coming in Q2 of this year, along with support for hybrid applications as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds really interesting. In terms of uh, the mobile applications, now uh, you also mentioned that Q2 and Q2 you are adding the support for the hybrid ones. So yeah. what all other technologies that particular section covers in terms of hybrid? Yeah, so for those folks that don't understand a hybrid app, if you're working mm-hmm. with a native app, if you click on a particular link and it brings up a web view, that typically is a hybrid app in a nutshell. And okay. usually a lot of the technologies that hybrid apps are created in are, are technologies like React. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the main one that we see. So any app that falls into that category is usually a, a hybrid app, and we're going to support those in Q2 of this year. Today for the test on mobile, we do support native apps. So typically these are apps that are created in Swift, Objective-C for iOS okay, and okay. Xcode mm-hmm. or Android Studio with Kotlin or Java, right? So oh, I'm supporting okay. those types of applications today. Mm-hmm. And do they need to be on the device that I'm testing or they can be stored somewhere else also? So the applications themselves um, can be uploaded to our platform. So you can upload an IPA or an APK uh-huh. file Okay. Um, to a particular, pro- you would create a project for iOS, you'd create a project for Android. If I was mm-hmm. working with Android, I can upload an APK file to the test and platform. Okay. And then when I'm going through and authoring a test, I can pick what application I mm-hmm. want to install on the device. And that'll allow me to author a test and I can play that test back local. Okay. Did that and, answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's one more aspect that I wanted to uh, understand from these APKs that I'm uploading sometimes um, when, so these uh, emulators or simulators will have that developer mode already on because if it is not there, then I think you need a, some signed copy of that APK or something. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So if you're working with iOS and you have a Mm -hmm. physical device tethered, you need to create a provisioning profile. Uh-huh. Okay. So you would need an Apple developer account and we have a whole process. It takes about six or seven minutes to go through and create a provisioning profile that will allow you to install apps on a, on a device. Okay. On the Android, and, I, on, on the Android side, you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Okay. And I'm assuming uh, if we are using any of these cloud uh, device management, including yours, uh, I won't be needing these steps to be, they will be taken care by the grid itself. Right. 
Yeah, so once you uh, create the test, those tests are stored in the testing infrastructure, and then mm -hmm. you will be able to run those tests on devices in the cloud. Okay. Uh, today, we're partnering with Headspin. So if you have an account in Headspin, you'll be able to, um, From the, we have a command line interface that allows you to run tests in parallel across desktop browser. We are mm -hmm. partnering with Headspin, so you'll be able to take that same test and test them and run it across multiple physical devices in the cloud, in their cloud. Oh, okay. Sounds, sounds really um, good in terms of distributed uh, execution. In terms of the overall capacity on the, on the platform, let's say, what is the concurrency that I can achieve using any of the distributed device management platforms, including test time? Yeah, good question. So just to digress, the way our licensing model works, it mm -hmm. really is, um, it's a different type of model. It's more of a consumption sort of base model. So okay. it's unlimited users. We don't care how many users you have. Um, it's really the number of executions per month. So we define that as if you're in the context of the application and right. you're clicking play mm -hmm. and it opens the device and plays the test back on the device that would count as a local execution. And then we basically will work with people to determine how many licenses they need. We have a, a sizing exercise that we go through with customers and we figure out how many executions per month they're gonna need. Okay. And then we will license them accordingly for that. So that's mm -hmm. how the product is licensed. Okay. If you're gonna be running these tests in parallel on a grid provider, those tests are also gonna count against your license, obviously, you would need to work with whatever device grid provider you're going to work mm -hmm. with and determine how many licenses you're going to need, uh, which will determine the capacity to run on those cloud um, device grid providers. Okay. So if I take Testem as a platform for everything that I'm doing, even the minutes that I'm consuming or the parallel threads that I'm consuming are coming out of my license, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit different because if you look at other products like Browser Stack or Sauce or Perfecto, yeah, you buy a device that's in the cloud that's dedicated to you and your team. Yes, and it's kind of an all-you-can-eat kind of a an approach to uh, <laughs> to how the product works. Yeah, um, and they tend to charge a lot more for the device for that exact reason. Testum has a bit of a different approach to how we license the product, so mm -hmm. it is really more of around the number of executions per month. But again. Uh, where these other guys don't do this, we're helping you with the authoring, we're helping you with the maintenance, and we have the infrastructure as well. So we're actually doing all three, where a lot of those other players just provide the infrastructure as a service. They're not helping you create tests. They're not helping you maintain tests when they break. Yes, absolutely. I have also experienced uh, these things that you just said. It's only infra that is there. But in terms of troubleshooting, uh, let's say I have I am a licensed user at test time. And in let's say for that particular troubleshooting for some of my tests, if I have to reach out to your team or any other support staff, how, how easy it is in testing? Yeah, good question. So at a high level, if a test fails, um, we have some root cause analysis. So we'll, 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 mm -hmm. we'll, we'll bubble to the top, the exact step in the test that failed, it'll be red. It will show you, um, we have screenshots. So the first time the test runs, we create what we call a baseline. Okay. Every subsequent time the test runs, we create a screenshot. It's compared to that baseline and you can visually go in and see what the differences are. Mm -hmm. If there's text mm -hmm. on the screen, we are trying to validate. It'll say that we are looking for this text. Here's what appeared on the screen. 
Yeah. We also expose some networking logs, some console logs. So from a root cause analysis standpoint, that's what we're helping you with, kind of bubble to the surface to quickly identify what the issue is. From a support mm -hmm. standpoint, we have 24 by 7 in-chat support. So I've worked at other companies where you'd have to email support and yeah. you know, hope and pray they get back to you in a timely fashion. <laughs> uh, we have 24 by 7 support. Um, yeah. And usually when people go on to the in-product chat within a minute, one of our support engineers is interfacing with that particular customer. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. that's an option. You can email support as well. Uh, we have a customer success team that's there to help um, different customers. Depending on the, the price point they come in, there's different types of engagement uh, okay. depending on the price point as well. So there's mm -hmm. several things. In addition to that, we also have a YouTube channel. And I've created a lot of the videos myself. <laughs> Uh, we have also a couple of uh, specialist courses that people can go through to get some overview of how the platform works, both on the mobile side and test them for the web as well. Okay. Yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. In terms of the courses that you mentioned, is there is it available on any other site of Testem or? Yeah, the, there's two courses. One is a Testem specialist course that we mm -hmm. created six months ago, and it's really sort of a high level of getting started with Testem. This is okay. really about authoring uh, web applications. Yeah. We just also published a Tricenis getting started with Testem mobile class that helps people getting started with working with mobile applications, working with mm -hmm. the Tricenis mobile agent, working with IPA, APK files, uploading them to the platform how to author a test, how to play the test back, how to run the tests on different cloud providers, et cetera. So we have several different classes out there. Okay. Okay. All right. Got you. Let's, let's uh, go into the actual interface. So when I was, I was going through my trial and was playing with the tool in terms of authoring, I, I like the way the tiles are placed for each of the step, which is there. So you can really see what's happening there. And, uh, the overall flow is really great. I mean, that that visual um, representation of your test steps is something which is which really gets me. I mean, I'm I'm myself. I'm very visual person, so yeah. that really helped me get the understanding. Because if you look at a Selenium test or even any other um, low code no code tool, in that you don't see that see it visually. You just see the steps, and then you have to read through the steps to understand what's happening. But that's a really cool way of representing a test. I really like that way of doing it. Let's talk scalability here in terms of your test. Is there anything uh, maximum number of steps you recommend based on? Because the pricing model is based on the execution minutes, right? So you are not charging on the steps which are executed. But is right. there any recommendation in terms of what is the minimum or uh, optimum number of steps that you can have which will help your test? Yeah, good question. So um, I worked with customers that... <laughs> We're like, oh, my test is, is, I'm having some issues and they have 500 steps or whatever. So <laughs> that's a great question. In general, we recommend that tests are under 75 steps. And okay. forget test okay. them aside, just best mm -hmm. practice. Tests should be um, atomic. They should be autonomous and they should run in under two minutes in general. Yeah. Uh, and so with test them, ideally we want tests to be under about 75 steps. Okay. For that reason. Okay. All right. Yeah. And also, I also saw uh, some version controlling, which is also that you have introduced. So can you just tell us a little more about how that version control works in, in context of a yeah. test? 
So what we noticed was that, you know, development teams would be creating the application and testing teams would be testing the application. And we wanted to create more of a synergy between those two groups. Uh And so we do have integrations with both GitHub and Bitbucket. And so in those situations for the application under test that the the team is creating tests for, Uh you can create an integration. Let's say the source control is in GitHub. So the development team can basically integrate that repository with Testum. So when a a new branch of the application is created for a new feature or hotfix or something like that, Uh if there's a, if that is enabled in Testum, Testum will create a branch for those tests in Testum. And it allows testers to create tests against different branches of the applications. And then we support uh, full branching and merging. We support pull requests. So you have control and insight as to what's happening in the tool. And you could say, okay, we're going to do a pull request. These four tests were created. These are going to get merged back into the master. You can set approvers and things like that. So it gives you more visibility into number one, who's making changes in the tool. You have control. You Uh can set approvers and determine who can approve different changes being made. And you can stay in sync with the dev team that's doing when they create different branches. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds really collaborative way of approaching these tests, right? Let's go slightly deeper into collaboration. So let's say I have my dev team also authoring these things and uh, they they have been doing it and we got it merged and everything is okay. But let's say uh, when I executed it, the report uh, saw a certain dip in a certain region. Can you maybe uh, tell us more about how the reporting of Testem helps in that case? And can I see different dashboard for different branches or... Is it like just one dashboard and whatever is there is there? Yeah, good question. So that's that's a lot. Let me try to unpack this. So <laughs> you can um, you can see different dashboards for different branches. The default okay. is the master, but you can we can report on different results for different branches. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have some other mechanisms to help organizing tests. You can create labels. Labels can be assigned to tests. You yeah. can filter tests by owner. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, kind of an advanced sort of test status. We all know what pass or fail are, but yes. we have, you know, quarantine or evaluating or draft. So tests that are in quarantine, mm-hmm. if they were part of, a you know, your CI build like Azure DevOps and yeah. the test, um, if it was in quarantine, it's going to get skipped. It's not even going to get executed. Oh, tests that are in okay. evaluating, mm-hmm. for example, let's say you're yeah. using Jenkins and you have tests, test them tests in your Jenkins pipeline and the status and test them for these tests is evaluating. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not consistently running and not stable, but you want to add them to your CI process. Yeah. If they, if they fail, they're not going to fail the build. So mm-hmm. this test overview or test status and test them allows you to control how tests are actually executed from your CI tool, all with from maintaining chain, all within managing those within the context of test them. So it's another way to kind of organize tests from test status. So you mm-hmm. have owner, test status, branching, merging. So there's there's multiple ways that you can kind of get visibility into different tests and results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, this particular um, variation or this particular number of combinations that you've provided, I think that, like they say, right, it, there's no one size fits all. But once you have those many permutations and combinations that you can create of just organizing a test, then it does fit with everyone, every team's approach, I think. Then the team will not, we have to diverge from their usual uh, 
way of maintaining test because sometimes I have observed this that once you onboard a tool, you have to stick to the tools, whatever the way they arrange, you have to arrange your test like that. But I think yeah. that this is kind of a differentiator that I see here uh, in terms of uh, organizing your test and then uh, keeping the way your team is comfortable with, I think. Um, I think you're facilitating that very well in you during this particular collaboration approach, which is yeah, really good. I think, yeah. I think really um, when I'm talking to customers, I usually pull up IntelliJ. And if you're looking mm. at IntelliJ or Eclipse or Visual Studio or VSS code, and you're trying to figure out, you know, uh, most customers we work with, they usually adhere to some sort of an agile process. They do two-week yeah. sprints or three-week sprints or week sprints. And if you're looking at a, a tool like IntelliJ, it, it's a great tool, but it doesn't give you a lot of visibility into how do I prioritize what I need to be focusing on? What are the most important tests that I need to fix today? Mm. How do I kind of organize the different tests I've created? It's not really very good at those types of things. And really, that's where we tried to go with some of those view, view uh, some of those dashboards and test them was to yeah. give you some more insights and visibility into those types of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while I was I was also um, trying out the tool, I did find that very interesting because then I don't have to think about, oh, now I have a tool. Now I have to rearrange the way I arrange the test. I could just get my test and then use the same structure across here, which is it really simplifies my job and takes that over it yeah. out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, while we are on, on the arranging and the structuring of the test, I also want to touch on the aspect of shared steps that are there. So yeah. how how do the how do the shared steps work? Are uh, is that like a collection of steps, or can I create one test and then reuse that test, or can I do both? Yeah, good question. So shared steps or reusable components are really analogous to a method in programming. So if okay. I have a a common flow that I'm going to do over and over again, the the mm -hmm. most obvious one are log in and log out because yeah. Usually you have to be logged into the product to really begin any sort of testing or testing of any sort of flows. Okay. And so usually with any customer we work with, that's one of the first things we focus on. What mm -hmm. are the low-hanging fruit, the flows that are, that every test is going to have? Log in, log out. Yeah. And once you create these um, flows and test them, we call them groups. They mm -hmm. can be shared amongst any other test you currently have or any test you're going to create in the future. Okay. That in combination with autocomplete so if you create a login flow and you go back into the product and try to go through that login flow, the mm -hmm. artificial intelligence will pop up and say, hey, it looks like you've already created this login flow. Do you want to add this group to your test? And you can say yes. Mm -hmm. And it will log you into the product or do whatever that flow does. So those will dramatically increase the authoring of tests. Yeah. And once you start creating those, you only have to create it once. Again, just like a method. If you needed to go back and edit any of those steps, you do it in one place, it would affect any other test where that shared step is used. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So shared steps are, are definitely a best practice. They can be parameterized. You can add conditions on them. They can be looped over. So there's a lot of more compl complicated things you can do with shared steps within test them, for sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really time-saving thing that you just mentioned. But let's say uh, I have created these shared steps and other things. Uh, in terms of web testing, they might work well. But now that uh, you also have the mobile um, thing on this, right? So if I have some shared steps which I've already created, let's say using an iOS device, would they work the same way in an Android device? 
Uh, it's a good question. So the way we're structured for the mobile projects today uh -huh. is that you would create an iOS project for iOS and you would create an Android project for Android. Okay. Okay. So usually from my experience as well, usually the flows for iOS are different than Android. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when I was doing Appium, you know, we'd have to create this huge method and say, if it's iOS, go yeah. into this section of the code, if it's Android, go into mm -hmm. this. And it was a mess. Yeah. So um, in general, since the flows are different, we have two different projects. Eventually, they'll be merged into one. Mm -hmm. But for this first implementation, if you created shared steps for iOS, they would be for iOS. If you created shared steps, they would be for, for Android. But there is a way potentially to share those from one project to another. Mm -hmm. uh, we do support cloning. You could clone one project to another. So there's some ways to do that. But in general, you would have a separate project, one for iOS, one for Android. Okay. Okay. Understood. Let's say there are, there are a few applications. For example, I have, I have a banking application, for example, and it needs to know that you're banking from a certain location just to avoid some fraudulent transactions or just to check whether you are in the right location or not. So for that, you might need to access the device um, configuration or the hardware specifications, basically to check uh, all these things uh, prior to that. And also banking app itself will have that, but you also want to make sure that you are testing that in the test, whether that application is actually checking it or not. So are there any right. um, steps that can help in these kind of scenarios? So you mean you're referring to more of like a geolocation, geofencing? Yeah, more like a geofencing, right. geolocation kind of a thing, yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of ways to do that. For this first implementation, we were not supporting the ability to inject GPS or change mm -hmm. the location of the device. However, having said that, since we are partnering with Headspin, they do have data centers all over the world yeah. and devices all over the world. So you can author the test. And then when you want to play those tests back, if, you, mm -hmm. if you're using them, which is our preferred device provider, yeah. You could specify devices in different locations and actually test those types of scenarios. The, okay. the, being able to change the GPS location on the device is something that's coming in the roadmap. Uh -huh. I believe it's scheduled for Q2 of this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. There are there are a couple of ways that you can... Uh, you already mentioned that I have to upload an APK uh, for the app. But is there also um, a versioning that can be applied? to those APKs and the installer files that are there in the testing platform? Yeah, we are supporting versioning. And when you once you upload an IPA or APK, if you were to mm -hmm. author a test and play it back, yeah. if you have multiple different applications, you could change the application in the library and say, okay, I created this test on V1, but now I want to test it against version two of the app. So we, we do support that today. Okay. And yeah. is yeah. it like a simple config uh, parameter or do I have to do it? in? It's, my a, it's a simple config parameter. It's at the test level because we don't know what application you want to change <laughs> for what test, yeah. but you can do it. You can do it at the test level for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So if I maintain like a consistent versioning across whatever apps I'm using, and then I just change one variable at a global level, then I should be able to run them against different versions, right? Right. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now that let's say I'm still authoring these things, can I also access the um, files or the databases which are there on the mobile device? Because in emulators and other things, I've observed that it's not that easy sometimes to access those things. 
um accessing files on on the emulator yeah on the emulator on the on the physical device i can understand but i myself have i mean i have had few difficulties while accessing things or storing things on an emulator or simulator so is there anything special that testing supports to facilitate that or simplify that um I, for the first implementation not really and it's mm -hmm. kind of a v1 so we are going to allow you to obviously install an <laughs> app on the device because you'll need okay. to do that to uh to author a test yeah um the other thing that we can do is we can also work with any app that's already previously been installed on the device uh -huh. so you can uh -huh. create a test for that but in terms of uploading other images or files to the device for this first version we're not supporting that okay okay yeah we'll talk and, about and, the roadmap going uh slightly more later in the in the discussion sure. yeah so apart from uh the best practices that you already mentioned for like authoring a test like the 75 steps uh that are less than two minutes thing is there any other um, best practices that you would advise uh so that uh my testing is very smooth um is there any other yeah. best practices yeah there's a bunch so you know we could we could spend a lot of time on this but um <laughs> one we do support test data so yeah. you can upload either an excel file or a csv which we're going to convert to a json format okay which you can use to data drive your tests so mm -hmm. we do highly recommend doing that that way if something changes you can manage it within the context of the excel file that you've uploaded okay so data driving the tests is definitely something that we recommend Mm -hmm. um, and then usually at a, at a high level, um, when we work with customers, there's usually somebody that we identify as kind of um, one that's going to be overarching, kind of architecting the tests and determining groups and creating reusable components. We'll want to make sure usually when we map out an application, we'll think of, okay, we need to create a group for login, for logout, putting something in the shopping cart, checking out whatever yeah. the, the main flows of the application are. So mm -hmm. we want to be able to surface those and make sure that we create reusable components or groups that, okay. that map those particular flows first, because once we start doing that, we do a few uh -huh. of these. I mean, just, just think of login, for example, right? We talked yeah. about login groups. If yes. I create a login group with Testum, now I've automatically automated like six other test cases, invalid uh -huh. username, login, invalid password, successful login log out reset password so there's you know there's four or five different flows from creating that one reusable component that now we can we can create got it, got it. Mm -hmm. so the test data mapping out the the groups that we want to create um we can add conditions to groups so we can say you know i only want to log into the product if i see the login mm -hmm. uh, text on mm -hmm. the screen if i don't see that i don't want to do that Okay. Uh, so uh -huh. th those are some things we we support looping. So we've had customers that have said, you know, I I want to take the same test and instead of closing it, I just want to loop through and log into the product with thirty users and make sure that they all can log in. So we can support that. So looping in in a lot of cases will come into play. Yeah. Um, conditions, test data. Um, those are the top ones, really. Uh, kind of a little bit more below the covers. We can also set um, different timeouts. They can be at the step level. They could be at the test level. So the default timeout is like 300ths of a second, but 
Sometimes if people are dealing with synchronization issues, they want to set a one second delay between steps. Yeah, um, we can do that. So th those would kind of be a little bit deeper, but at a high level, test data, groups, conditions, looping, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, in terms of um, having uh, these documented, I, I have also gone through the documentation for test IM, but uh, in terms of the documentation that you provide, which is very exhaustive, I, I'm pretty impressed with the way it is all organized. Uh, it, it, I mean, you don't really have to reach support unless it's a very critical issue is what I found from the documentation. It's a really, yeah. really good maintained documentation. Let's say uh, I've authored my test. I have, uh, let's say I also did it on a device uh, on my with my local thing. Uh, but now let's say uh, using my CICD or using uh, the schedulers that are already there in the testing platform, if I want to have them, I, I came across a very interesting uh, thing. It says run in turbo mode is what I've, uh, what I've uh, seen. So can you tell us more about like what exactly is a turbo mode, what it does? Yeah, sure. Of course. So just to digress real quickly regarding, mm -hmm. you mentioned CI tools. So yeah, we basically integrate with any CI tool provided mm -hmm. you can install, um, get to a shell and you can install NPM and our node package. Yeah. You can yeah. basically okay. kick off tests and tests from anywhere. Uh -huh. We also have a REST API. And so you can uh, create code that can kick off um, tests and tests from anywhere from any other CI tool as well. Mm -hmm. If you're not using a CI tool, we have a built-in scheduler. It's sort of like analogous to a cron job, which okay. would run tests periodically. Those mm -hmm. tests can be executed on our, our testing infrastructure for the desktop web. We also okay. integrate with Sauce Labs and Browser Stack for uh, the desktop web if you want to run tests on, on their infrastructure or the ability to run desktop web tests on any um, Selenium-compatible grid. Um, mm -hmm. The turbo mode is something we released eh, maybe six, nine months ago, and okay. it allows the tests to run. They typically run about 30% faster. And so if wow. tests pass, mm -hmm. we're not going to expose as many of the artifacts. If okay. tests fail, then we're going to show you the screenshots and the logs and some of those other things. Mm -hmm. But tests that pass, we're not going to expose as much of the artifacts. And so typically in turbo oh. mode, the, the test executions run about 30% faster. Mm -hmm. Just because all the logging overhead is not there in that particular, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. We already touched upon the executions and the reports, uh, but I want to understand one more factor in it. Let's say I have done this scheduling and I've I had the report. What are some of ways that I can communicate that report? Like, how can I send it across to the team? Yeah, good question. So there's um. There's a couple of ways you can do it. If you're using our scheduler, um, there's an email integration. So it can email you results, whether it failed on the first time or every mm -hmm. time you have a failure, it can have it generate an email. It can also have it integrate with Slack or it can send a webhook to some other type of system. Mm -hmm. If you're using a CI tool like Jenkins or Bamboo, um, you can integrate it to, to send failures to different people there. Okay. Uh, we have other customers that use other tools and we have other mechanisms. But if you're using the scheduler within Testum, we have uh -huh. the it does integrate with email and it can send the results to whoever you want. Okay. All right. Yeah. That sounds that sounds really good. Uh, in terms of integrations, because we are talking about integrations, can you tell us more about like what are the different integrations? Does it integrate with Jira? 
or any other yeah. test management tool that I have if I have to manage a test management apart from this? Yeah, good question. So we have out-of-the-box integrations with GitHub, Bitbucket, uh -huh. uh, Apply Tools. The founder of Testum was the former R&D director at Apply Tools. So if anyone wants to get in and do deeper, low-level pixel sort of validations of images, we, we do mm -hmm. integrate with Apply Tools. We integrate with Slack. Yeah. On the bug tracking side, we integrate with Jira, Trello, Slack, GitHub Actions. On the wow. test management side, mm -hmm. we integrate with TestRail, mm -hmm. uh, QTest. And we also have some integrations with at Microsoft Azure, either creating a work item or updating a work item as well. But we could really integrate with any other test tool, provided we had access to the API, we could write custom hook actions. So we really can integrate with anyone. The ones I mentioned are the ones we mm -hmm. have out of the box. Okay. And let's say if I have to write a new one, um, like let's say what what is the what is the time or the support that I can expect? Yeah, good question. So if you wanted to integrate with some other test tool that we didn't mm -hmm. have an out-of-the-box integration with, um, yeah. we you would have to write the code yourself for that. Um, okay. We'd have to look at what the API was. If you were doing a, a proof of concept with somebody on my team, you know, we could help you with that. But usually, uh -huh. and we've done that for other customers, so it's usually not, not that big of a deal. Okay. Okay. That's relieving because sometimes I have already paid a fortune for one tool and then I want to uh, integrate it with this, then I, if it, there is no way, then that money is all already gone. So <laughs> I don't want to end yeah. up in that place when I invest in something like test time, which is really no, cool. and that, That's a good question. I mean, that's why we, we do have a lot of out-of-the-box integrations, but we have yeah. created integrations for other customers. Um, some other things that were coming is, um, this is a little bit tangential with what we're talking about, but mm -hmm. we also have another product that's called TTM for Jira. Sort of it competes more with the sort of the x-rays of, of the oh, world okay and we we mm -hmm. are going to be integrating with that as well soon so oh that's cool that's cool and let's yeah. say um if i have an existing test management and um i have some of the steps written let's say i have a bdd kind of steps which are written and i want to integrate them and map them to a test here have you done anything like this previously so we worked with a customer that insisted on using cucumber and kicking uh -huh. off tests from cucumber from the ide in test mm -hmm. okay we did create an integration that allowed them to do it okay it's a little mm -hmm. bit different because if you're working with cucumber you have a feature file you have step yeah. definitions and there's no way to directly integrate that with test what we had to do is create the same test and test but the customer really wanted to <laughs> still stay within IntelliJ and kick off the tests and test them. So we have an integration that allows them to do that. But in okay. general, usually people that are using something like Cucumber ultimately kind of move away from that if they're going to use mm. a tool like testing. Correct, correct. But yeah, I mean, from the looks of it, it, it sounds very, very flexible in terms of the test stack or the tool stack that any of the teams are using, I think should be pretty much very much adoptable in terms of uh, oh, yeah. tech aspects of this. Mm -hmm. um, then when we come to, uh, you mentioned something about test data management. Uh, we do it in Excel and uh, you convert it into JSON. But um, is there any way that I could 
generate my own data in these tests? Is it something? That yeah, good question. So we we have um, because we allow you to create create tests. Uh, one of the things was the CLI action runs in mm -hmm. Node.js outside of the browser. That gives you the flexibility to install whatever npm packages you want. Okay. We have a lot of customers that use the Faker API to generate dynamic data on the fly that they're going to use within the context of the test and test them. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example of creating and generating dynamic data that they're using throughout the context of the test. So you could do that. Mm -hmm. We have other okay. customers that want to use more static data. It's completely flexible and up to the user. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. Coming back to the mobile, right? Uh, doing it on, let's say I have a laptop, I got a trial uh, for this and then when i'm starting to execute this what is what is your recommended local configuration for yeah, any good, sort good, of laptop yeah good, good question so um probably the first question we're going to want to understand or see you on windows or mac mm -hmm. or linux um, the first thing that you would do is your, when you go into your trial you'll notice that there's three projects one is a web project there's an ios project and there's an android project Mm -hmm. So let's say we're working with Android. We'd go to our Android project. And in the top, there's this icon that green is good. And it's the Tricenis mobile agent. This is actually technology that we've imported from test project, okay. which is going to be end of life to next month yes, into, into testum. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that same technology that folks have used in test project is actually now imported into testum. Okay. So you would install the Tricenis mobile agent. And really that we could go into a whole nother podcast about that, but essentially it's got an Appium server running in it. It's okay. doing a lot of things behind the scenes and it's really main function allows you to connect either physical or virtual devices uh -huh. that you're going to use to, with the testum Chrome extension to record and playback tests on those devices locally. Um, and mm -hmm. so the first thing you would do is download the Tricentis mobile agent. It runs as a service. It okay. takes about a okay. minute to set uh -huh. up. Yeah. Once you have that running, you would need to install the Testum Chrome extension okay. and uh -huh. have access to the Chrome browser. And then you would either um, connect a physical device or if you're using virtual devices, you probably need to be using something like Android Studio or Xcode. In general, what we've seen for this first release is that from a persona standpoint, it's probably going to be targeted more to a developer or an automation engineer, someone that's well-versed in some of these technologies. The next uh, release of the product will integrate more directly with some cloud providers that would allow someone who's less technical to okay. open a device in the cloud, author mm -hmm. a test, and play it back on another test, for example. Mm -hmm. But for this first implementation, because it's a V1, uh, we all got to start somewhere. So you really probably need to be a little bit more well-versed in some of these technologies to be able to you work with emulators or simulators or have a huge cart of devices. And of course, most people are at home, so they're not going to yeah. have it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the background there. So really at this, at this juncture, it's probably more geared for developers or automation engineers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So there's, there's a lot of tons of things that I can do with that single agent, right? Looks like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Tricentis mobile agent really is doing a ton of things behind the scenes. And without mm. that, you'd have to download a version of Appium and you'd have to get, you know, Appium inspector and connect devices and certificates. Yeah. And it would be it would be a lot to get all that set up. And it's doing yeah. all that for you behind the scenes. Correct. Yeah. It's a really simplified version of 
let's say you are going to invest maybe two three days into setting this up but right. with mobile agent i think it should be done maybe within an hour i think yeah even less than that i mean um i worked with people that had this up and running in five six minutes oh wow quick. that's quite yeah. quick <laughs> very quick yeah wow okay and um, in terms of um, let's say the device farms that are already present so i connect those mobile devices through this agent also or do i do it from the cloud platform which is there uh, if you're going to author a test today uh -huh. for this first mm. version you have to have a device connected locally once okay. you have that whether that could be a physical device or a virtual device mm -hmm. if um once you've authored that test that test is saved in the testum cloud okay if you wanted to run that test in parallel across multiple devices you could do that mm -hmm. as of today we're partnering with headspin and so you'd need to go and create an account in headspin but you could um, run that test across multiple devices in their device grid. From a okay. roadmap standpoint, we mm -hmm. are going to be integrating with Sauce and Browser Stack um, in Q2. So you will be able to create a test and test them. And if you're using one of those other cloud providers for a mobile device grid, you'll mm -hmm. be able to run on those. And that'll be Q2 of this year. Okay. All right. It sounds very promising the way the roadmap is laid because we are on roadmap. Let's let's discuss. Yeah, let's uh, talk about roadmap. Yeah, let's talk sure. about roadmap again. I mean, we talked about a lot of features which are already there in V1, and there's tons of things that you can do with a trial that I also tried, uh, which is really awesome. I didn't expect it to do so many things in a trial, but yeah, let's talk about roadmap. Uh, what what we can expect in V2, and if you can maybe summarize the V1 features again, that would be great. Yeah, good, good question. So for V1 for mobile, we're supporting mm. native applications. So these are apps that are created in Swift or um, Objective-C and iOS and the Android Studio right, yeah. for, for Android. Mm -hmm. And today, essentially, um, basically, you, you can author um, native applications. So we do support Swipe. We support Tap. We support some of those basic features. Mm -hmm. From a locator standpoint, if you look at our web application and you click on one of the locators, there's, you know, a ton of different locators and how they relate to whatever that object was on the page. Yeah. For yeah. the mobile, for this phase one, if you if you go in and look at our locators, we have about five different locators. Mm. So we'll look at ID, we'll look at text, we'll look at class. If it's Android, we'll look at resource ID and maybe one or two others. So yeah. even out of the box, we have sort of five different locators we're working with. Mm -hmm. If you're working with Selenium, typically, I mean, or Appium, Typically, you're using XPath or ID or resource ID, yeah, and it's, yeah. XPath can be very brittle in this long, this long path. And if something mm. changes, the script fails and the test is going to fail. So right out of the box with Testum, even we, we use about five different key locators. If the default one is ID, if it fails, it's going to fall back to text. Then it's going to try XPath. Then it's going to try class. So we have about four or five different ways to try to figure out what that object is before failing the test. So okay. that's kind of right out of the box. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, for this next implementation, we are going to be looking at dramatically expanding the locators and doing more pure artificial intelligence, which is what we're doing on the web front. Uh, today. Okay. Yeah. So that is coming. Uh, mm -hmm. We talked about uh, cloud providers. We are integrating with Headspin today, but if someone wanted to use Browser Stack or Sauce, mm -hmm. we do support Browser Stack or Sauce integrations if you're taking a web test and test them. And you yeah. wanted to run it on browser stack or sauce desktop web. Mm -hmm. We support that today for uh, uh, Q2 of this year. We will be integrating with browser stack and sauce 
to run an Appium test that's created and test them on their infrastructure. So okay. that's that. Mm -hmm. We will be expanding some additional capabilities that you mentioned around geofencing. Yeah. Uh, we'll be adding that. We'll be adding some more advanced features around double tap, mm -hmm. uh, those types of things. Yeah. Cool, cool. The the agenda and overall roadmap is very, very impressive. And it's going to enable a lot of teams do a lot of stuff in very low time. Yeah, I would say so, just in the last thing I would say the roadmap yeah. is, as we mentioned from a persona, it's mainly mm -hmm. geared for the more of the technical folks. However, Correct. Um, we will be getting to the point in the next implementation where you'll be able to open a device in the cloud, like I said, mm -hmm. and author mm -hmm. a test. And you won't need to rely on as many local devices tethered or connected. But then once that happens, I think that's going to be huge, right? Because then that's going to open yeah, up to even more yeah. people to use it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It gives a lot of more um, user um, ease of use, basically, for the people yeah. who also want to test and they want to do their own uh, test to be authored. I mean, looking at these features and all other things, I think there's a lot of innovation out of box thinking which is currently going on in the team can you tell us more about the overall culture how how a day in test time looks like when you're developing like a product like this which is a real cool one yeah well i've worked at a lot of different companies over my mm -hmm. career and a lot of different engineering teams and i remember back in the days of waterfall when we would spend six eight months and then deliver yeah. a product only to discover that it wasn't what the customer <laughs> wanted or there was too many bugs or issues and fast forward and i know most people are doing agile some people do fragile some people <laughs> do stand-ups and some people say they're doing agile but they really don't do it and at testing yeah. we really do adhere to more of an agile process so we uh -huh. do follow two-week sprints with the caveat that when a feature is available, it gets deployed immediately to production. Okay. So there's many months where we could do multiple deployments a month, a lot of times multiple a week. And so for me, it's hard to keep up with the changes we're, being, we're making, <laughs> but they're significant and they're incremental, but they're happening constantly. So from that standpoint, mm -hmm. it's great because when a feature is ready, it's, it's available immediately. Um, you know, from that standpoint, um, like a lot of other companies, you know, we we want to get we want to get these features out into customers' hands so they could start playing yeah, around yeah. with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, nice. I, I would say also yeah. we're still a small company, even though we were acquired by by Tricenis. Mm -hmm. So testum is a Hebrew word, which means a lot of tests. We were a small Israeli startup with about 65 or 70 people. So oh, mm -hmm. when, when you need to get something done, you know, I could go to the CEO and say, hey, could yeah. you help me with this <laughs> or R&D? It's a little bit different now, but we're still a very small company. We're actually part of a new business unit called the DevOps yeah. business unit. Okay. And we're still a very small team of people. So it's um, it's a great environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can really relate to that because we are also, I also work in a startup. Uh, we have about 80, 90 people here in India. So um yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the that's the uh, overall connect that you have. Overall collaboration is really uh, enhanced in such small setups. You can get things done pretty quickly. But wow, I mean, it was it was really uh, cool to know about uh, testing culture as a whole. Can you tell me, like, out of all these features and all these uh, things that you have already developed, uh, what is your favorite part in the app? I, I, again, I, I think 
from my background of working with things like selenium, the biggest mm -hmm. challenge was um, I spent so much of my time fixing broken tests. Yeah. And so when you're doing that, we were only able to achieve a certain level of automation, like 35, 40%. If you talk to other mm -hmm. companies, that seems to be sort of a standard. So the fact that I can create a test very quickly that's happened and have it be stable and I could have four or five things under the covers change yeah and tests still work mm -hmm. that's huge so yeah. the authoring piece and then the stability of the test maintenance those are still kind of the uh the aha moments for me when I show that to a customer when I'm <laughs> doing a demo with somebody and they see that four or five attributes of an object change they're still able to find it those yeah. are still kind of those aha moments for me in the product because I would be banging my head against the wall, spending so much time messing around with locators and stuff only to uh, not be able to accomplish much. So those are mm -hmm. two still the big things in the product for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can understand the pain of doing those locators again and again and then banging your head, as you said. I, I've been in that position quite sometimes. So I can understand how big that is. And I think uh, with introduction of AI in the V2 of your roadmap, I think this is going to get much more simpler. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, this yeah. version, at least we have the five locators. And again, as I said earlier, if you're using pure Appian, you know, you have to, you pick, it, typically it's a one locator approach where out of the box, we're using five different locators to mm. help people. Yes, yes. Right? Cool. Yes, absolutely. All right. I think uh, we, we covered lots and lots of items, even though we were just talking about the product, I could see product in front of my eyes. I could see what's happening. Thank you for explaining it so well. I hope our listeners also get the feel of the product. I would recommend everyone to go and try the trial version at least and see whether it fits your organization, fits your culture. And, and it does so many things that you would be absolutely blown away by the product that uh, Ian has, and his team at uh, Test Team has built. So thank you, Ian. Thank you for your time again. It was really a pleasure to have you here. We wish yeah, you all the luck it. to Test Him. We hope to see more and more coming from the product in the recent times. Yeah, well, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. really appreciate being on the podcast today. And uh, yeah. we'll talk soon. Absolutely, absolutely. All thank right. you again. Have a nice Take day. Care. Take Bye -bye. care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found it useful. If you did learn something new today, please follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and also share, rate, subscribe to the podcast so that you get the notifications for the new episodes as and when they're launched. Thank you for being here. It really means a lot to me. Until we meet again, it's a goodbye from my side. Take care and be in great health. Thank you.